This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or through the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A big show again, Nick Perkat to join us shortly for his first chat to the media about joining WAU for season 2022. I'm really looking forward to that. Supercars media boss David Tunnicliffe also joins us to discuss the massive six weeks ahead for him and his production crew as they head to the end of the year. Mark Walker also to join Krause and myself for a chat of all the big news items later on. Before that, though, here is the news and more driver changes as the Medigrade ground continues in supercars with Nick Perkat confirming his departure from Brad Jones Racing and his seat at WAU for season 2022 and beyond. Nick to talk about that here shortly. Also, Jack LeBrock confirmed to take the second seat at Matstone Racing, leaving Tickford next year to join Todd Hazelwood as the main driver combination there. Jamie Winkup will be going all out for an eighth championship as he winds down his full-time driving career at the end of the season. The future team principal for Red Bull Racing says this year's championship, though, is teammate Shane Verne Gisbergen's to lose. Uh, yeah, I, I have I have um, hinted to him that it is my last year. It'd be nice for him to pull over and let me let me win. And his response was, "He's not a charity." So um, no, no, we'll, uh, we'll we'll race hard. We'll obviously work together behind the scenes, but uh, race hard. And as I said, try to um, make sure that one Red Bull Ampol Carla is uh, is finishes on top. But if we could do a one-two, that would be absolutely fantastic. Wink up there on Fox Sports to F1 and an enthralling finish to the US Grand Prix at Coda. Max Verstappen hanging on to win by just over a second to Lewis Hamilton. Max Verstappen is going to lead and double his advantage in the World Championship for the first time on US soil. Max Verstappen wins the US Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton has to settle for second. The charge got close, but not quite close enough. The fireworks on track are replaced by fireworks shooting into the air. Verstappen wins at Cota. What a Grand Prix that was. Verstappen now leads the championship by 12 points from Hamilton. Bottas in third place in the standings. In MotoGP, six-time MotoGP world champion Mark Marquez has racked up his third win of the 2021 season after inheriting victory when long-time leader Francesco Bagnaia crashed out on lap 23, ending his title hopes. Marquez had shadowed Bagnaia for most of the race, piling on the pressure on him as he did at Aragon last month and had just conceded defeat when the Ducati rider crashed. The Honda rider was left to lead the factory, the first factory Honda 1-2 since Aragon in 2017 and also claimed his first win on a clockwise circuit since Japan in 2019. And finally, Aussie Molly Taylor and teammate Johan Christofferson have won the Extreme E Island X Prix in Italy, extending their championship lead to 16 points with one round to go. That's the news. Let's get into the show and say good day to Krause, who kicks us off. Hello, Richard. Well, thanks, Shebex. Uh, a return to supercars this weekend means a return to the award-winning TV product that supercars fans around Australia and indeed the world consume week in, week out on Fox Sports and Channel 7. And like everyone else, the TV world has been thrown upside down thanks to the pandemic. So the return of racing this weekend also means a return to the track for many members of Sydney-based supercars media. A bit of a reunion of sorts uh, to run through the details of what's going to be six massive weeks of TV coming up. 
We're joined by the great man, David Tunnicliffe, who is the head of production for TV at Supercars Media. Tunners, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Oh, Rich, this has got to be the highlight of the season. This is something I've aspired to, 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 to be on the Race Talk podcast. I've made it, I think. Well, we should clarify straight out. You are a, an enthusiast of the painted to race talk power rankings um, with, and you look forward to those with great anticipation for every round. Yeah. But, but is that due to the fact that you hope you don't see TV mentioned in the not section? Look, uh, I think in the, in the interest of, uh, of fair power ranking ratings and racing to appear in them at any point is a good thing, be it good or not. If there is a not, then I always try to give you an honest uh, explanation as to why, but to, to be up there in the top is really what we aspire to, let's be honest. And we appreciate the uh, input. We, we enjoyed our time covering the E-Series a couple of weeks ago, but we're very much looking forward to getting back to real racing before we dive into that just run through your role at supercars media both within the working week and then at the racetrack as well well really um we're a small team of full-timers within the supercars media department i think we have maybe seven or eight full-time staff but then at uh bathurst that swells to hundreds of people as you can imagine so day-to-day we're really planning the next event and the rest of the season and also the season ahead, we're always looking to innovate, as you know, Rich. So we're looking for new ways of of making the racing look even more exciting, bringing new insights to the viewers, looking at new camera angles, looking at new cameras, and also involving more people. You know, we want to be able to make the, the, the product as exciting as it is at the circuit. We know how good it is, and we like to take that to a wider audience. And by looking at different ways, we can show that off. That's what we're looking at doing. So we're always looking for new ideas. We're obviously planning for events. This uh, next six weeks, as you mentioned, is is quite a big uh, block of work. So my day-to-day at the moment is really planning for these events. I'll write the rundowns, which all the um, on-air talent will uh, follow, as well as all the production staff. We'll edit pieces, we'll plan pieces, we'll organise interviews, um, and do all the pre-planning so that when we arrive on site, as I always say to everybody, I want to get there. So if you tell me I've got to go on air now, I've got a plan of what we're doing. If things change, we can change that plan. But you've always got to go to air with a base of uh, a good product that you know would make a good show. And then if things happen, you can change that on the run. So that's what I do prior to the event. I'll head out to Sydney for the first time, um, to Sydney Motorsport Park, I should say, for the first time tomorrow. That's when we'll start... Um, doing my checks on the facilities that are already being put in place. Uh, And from there on in, it's just uh, following the bouncing ball of live motorsport (laughs) and live television. So I'll sit in the truck. uh, I'll be the voice in the ears of the hosts and the commentators, as you will have unfortunately experienced. Um, And I'll guide people through. I'll talk to the director. I'll talk to the general manager, Nathan, about the direction we take. And really my job once we got on air is ensuring we're telling the best story in the best possible way. No, I think we're very fortunate to have you in our ears. The, the cool voice of reason when things are exploding <laughs> around us in the middle of an action-packed motor race, I think is how it works. Well, look, I think that's one of the key things in this role is if you sound panicked, everybody else sounds panicked around you. And if you sound like you don't know what you're doing, everybody else will worry that they don't know what they're doing. So I think you've got to make a decision, let everybody know what that is and, and try and say it in a calm way. So everybody just actions what you'd like them to do. If you start shouting and uh, sounding a bit panicked, then that soon flows on. One of the things I touched on off the top was that this round will mark something of a reunion for the team because the last time you and I worked together, which was the first Townsville event of the two back in July this year, 
you were still locked down in Sydney. Half the team was in North Queensland, half working remotely and really challenging way of going about making live TV really effective because it worked and seamless for the product that was put out. But behind the scenes, I know it was a massive amount of work. So it must be nice to know that you're going back to the racetrack. Everyone will be back in the truck and it would be much more, I suppose, normal to what it was pre-2020. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. We just had um, about two hours on another Zoom call with some of the on-air talent, and we had to remind ourselves that the break we've had since we're all together in Darwin is probably longer than the normal off-season. Yeah. So we really had a good chat to kind of debrief where we were at when we last came together and kind of plan ahead of how we approach things and remind each other of the things we need and the things we need to do because it's such been such a long time. Like I say, Darwin was the last time we were all there together. The two Townsville rounds we had, um, as you mentioned, hosts up in North Queensland, some of our production team in Queensland, um, the rest of us, including myself, our pit producer, um, graphics, and some uh, of our editors were all back in Sydney, locked down. So, yeah, it was a real hybrid remote production setup. It worked. Look, it's not ideal because, you know, things can go wrong with technology. You can you know, lose feeds, you can lose communications. Being on site is an absolute preference, but I think um, we showed that, you know, things can work when it has to work um, in, in that scenario. The thing with supercars, Tunners, is that it you race one weekend and then there's one week, two weeks, sometimes three before the next event. So while you're always looking forward, you've got those couple of weeks to decompress, unlike football or cricket over the summer, which is back-to-back-to-back games. How do you prepare for what is four events in four weeks, but probably more than that, five events in six weeks, with the last of them being the biggest single TV product right up there in Australian sport for the year in the Bathurst 1000. How do you plan for what's coming up? Because it's so different to anything we've ever had before. That is very true. One of the things that we spoke about was, you know, this starts the road to Bathurst. You know, we, we have these five rounds over the next six weeks, culminating in the biggest one of them all. And it's the one we all love. But these four rounds in Sydney are fantastic. You know, as you mentioned, we usually have a couple of weekends off in between our rounds. And, you know, quite often people that I know and, and, and fans of the sport will say, well, when are you racing next? When are you racing next? These next four weeks are like a footy season. Mm. You know that if you tune in on the weekend, you're going to see supercars and then you have a little pause and then you've got a week of Bathurst. So... It's really exciting from our point of view because we get to tell the story every week. We get to build up to Bathurst. We get to tell the story of the uh, the Bow Repair Sydney Cup, you know, $25,000 for the driver who gets the most championship points over those four Sydney rounds. There's some really cool stories to tell, all the driver movements. It's, it's an opportunity for us to remind people of what's what in supercars rather than, you know, having the gaps in between. In terms of how we prepare, um, there's been a lot of weeks of preparation ready for this. Just we've had obviously a, a lot of um, options of where we may race at certain times of the year and, and certain events haven't happened. But knowing that we were going to be racing, we knew what we had to do and we knew that we would be going to Bathurst. So we've done a lot of preparation in advance. Now we can slot it into a Sydney specific event or four events. Um, but really, once we get off air on that final Sunday, we'll be straight into um, the next uh, events. Uh, I actually sent an email to, to part of the TV team yesterday just saying, right, does anybody need anything for the first Sydney event? Because I'm spending the rest of the day on the second Sydney event. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have to close everything on my computer and then make sure I open the correct event documents because it's 
slightly confusing having four different events at the same location and making sure you're working on the right ones. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, could I grab a rundown for the fourth one, please? Uh, just like to know when I'm up for some S5000 commentary. Just Absolutely. When, when you've got chance, please. Yeah, you give me about 14 days. Be <laughs> <laughs> <No problems>. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of that event, and indeed the first one, Primetime Supercars, which mm. I know everyone in the team loves. And 2018 was so cool at Sydney Motorsport Park and it all worked with the temporary lighting to roll out with the permanent lights for the first time and this big return to racing is going to be spectacular. Do you enjoy the challenge of, of presenting the sport at night, a real different oh, vibe yeah. to usual? Absolutely. I mean, it's a free kick for us really, isn't it? You know, mm. we get to, we want to make the sport look as good as we can. It's a great product. We know that our regular fans know that this is an opportunity for us to, to take the sport to people who perhaps haven't seen it before. And you see the cars, as good as they look, underneath the permanent lighting at Sydney Motorsport Park, it's, that's just a, a real treat. There's so much we can show and do. Um, it's worth tuning in to see quite how spectacular these lights can be. Um, obviously, pyrotechnics play a big part. We're looking at what we can do differently in terms of national anthems and introducing drivers and, and how we can make it as much of a show for somebody to tune in and really enjoy it even before the racing starts. So there's so many opportunities. The facility there is fantastic. And yeah, there's a lot of things that you won't have seen before that you can, uh, I think you'll really get a lot out of. Just a tip, national anthems, really good power <laughs> rankings fodder. Yeah. Re- and, and they're either hot or they're not. There's really very, very rarely in that what section in the middle. I am well aware of that, and I think there's probably been about 48 hours of work towards <laughs> a, a particular national anthem, which if it comes off, if it comes off, I will reveal to you the inspiration behind it. And let okay. me tell you, it's royalty, and that works on two levels. Real Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I like it. Well, young bloke with the guitar in Darwin. Darwin won last year, I think it was. Is, is that? I think that's peak, peak yeah. national anthem to get to. Uh, very okay. nice. Looking forward to it. Um, the Bathurst schedule was released last week mm. as well on Friday. It's enormous. Six mm. days of on-track action. TV, I know, will cover a lot of it. Um, but the latest finishing time for the great race ever, or latest start time, which will lead to a late finishing time, bang into prime time, and then directly into the Big Bash League opener, which is enormous for Fox and Seven. How much chatter goes between you guys and the networks and then, I suppose the networks and cricket Oz to align those things because it, it strikes me as a massive thing for supercars for our game, but it's huge for cricket as well because the big bash opener is going to have one of the biggest sporting events of the year as a, a ratings lead in. Yeah. Well, I think it's all about opportunity as well. You know, the, if you turn the, you know, the unfortunate negative of being locked down and not able to race during October at the traditional Bathurst weekend, and you turn it into the positive of we're racing it, you know, the end of the season Bathurst in early December, which means the sun sets later. So mm. why not? You know, we're not able to do that in October. So it's, it's taken the, making the most of the opportunity that's been presented to us by a pretty you know, negative experience of, of the lockdowns. Um, so yes, it's a massive opportunity. The networks have both gone, yep, this is a great opportunity for us because what's better than going from one massive event into another one that they're both showing. Um, it's, again, a, a, another great challenge for us to really be able to showcase what is, you know, the biggest and one of the biggest and best sporting events on the Australian calendar and one of the biggest in the world motorsport calendar and just take it to that next level. Again, a whole new set of, um, of, of viewers who perhaps haven't seen it before. You know, it's, a, it's just 
it's a fantastic opportunity. And I think both networks have seen that and gone, yeah, we'll, we'll have some of that. Finally, we, we got a taste of the voice of supercars back for the E-Series recently and we loved it, but must be nice to know that you'll be pushing that talk back button and hearing the voice of one in Crompton, the voice of supercars talking back to you in just a few days time. It, I have to say, you know, that is an absolute treat to be able to work with, you know, I mean, all, all the team that I do work with, but when you have somebody of, of Neil's kind of stature in the sport and calibre and broadcasting, to be able to be the voice that talks to him, it's kind of an honour going in and doing that sort of thing. And yeah, we had a lot of fun during the E-Series and we were able to, um, he was able to make a cameo during a, a, you know, a couple of parts of the Townsville round, which was great. But to have him back in the commentary box, I know he is, Really excited to be back. We are so excited to have him uh, back in uh, in the commentary box on the host desk and back on the broadcast. It's going to be so good. I'm sure everybody's going to love that. Just we need a few more of those crazy photo albums that he rolled out during the E-Series. <laughs> they were just sensational. I know he hates it, but they were so good. Ratings well, gold, I tell you, Tunnis. Absolutely. As you well know, some may have been doctored. I mean, the one mm. of him and all the TV team having a pizza at Monza, that was absolutely real. Uh, there were some offline ones, which you'll never see the light of day, mm. but I tell you what, they would have made the power rankings for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, David, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck. Uh, with what's going to be a massive six weeks of motorsport on Fox and seven for supercars media. I can't wait to get to Sydney motorsport park four and uh, dive in there. And then of course the Bathurst 1000 as well, really looking forward to it. Uh, Best wishes to you and the team. And we look forward to tuning in this weekend. Thanks Rich. Look forward to seeing you, mate. David Tunnicliffe, supercars media joining us here on the grid. This is on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Right. Announcement time from the Race Talk and the On The Grid podcast. And we've got exciting news as we launch into the final five rounds of this year's Repco Supercars Championship and indeed beyond that. The uh, favourite surname of Tony Shebecki uh, joins us on the show from Doric. Tom Archuli joins us. Tommy, welcome to the program. We've got great news. Uh, would you like to let us know what's happening for the remaining few rounds of this year's Supercars Championship? Hello, Krause. Hello, everyone. Yes, we are very excited to announce at Doric uh, and at doric.com.au slash shop that we are going to be supporting the race talk for the rest of this year and sponsoring the almighty power rankings, <laughs> the world famous power rankings for the rest of this season. And we can't wait to get racing this weekend. Neither can we. And we thank you very much for your support. Uh, the power rankings have become a little bit of an industry thing haven't they and we're very proud of our little column that drops every tuesday it'll be monday now after every supercars round and it's sort of we like to think it's the go-to place for people to get an insight into the weekend we've got serious analysis but also some of the crazy stuff that you and i get to see for example in the paddock behind the scenes we like rolling some of that out as well well who doesn't like some hot some not or even some what and (laughs) i look forward to the memes as well because no one no one doesn't like a Simpsons meme that can, mm. you can relate to supercars. And I think, you know, why not create some opinion? This is motorsport. This is supercars. This is Australian motorsport. So creating opinions and having some controversial takes and some takes that generate some discussion is all we're looking for. That's, that's for sure. Our chief editor of Simpsons memes, Mark Walker, will be thrilled that you've mentioned the meme portion of the power rankings. Um, Doric's had a, a great involvement in motorsport. You've had been on the podcast before talking about that 
previously. Just just bring us up to speed with what Dorek's involved with at the moment this year and, and some of the things you're working on in, in the sport at the moment. Yeah, it feels like the last time I went to a supercars race was a long time ago. I think my last race was tail and bend in May. So uh, it's that's what's that? It's like five months ago. So it's a long time ago. It feels like ago. five years, yeah. Yeah, it feels like five years. Um, but yeah, so... Dorek, this is year 17 for us in supercars, and uh, we are partnering with the Shell Power Racing Team uh, on the mirrors and also Desmo Sport Ducati in the Australian Superbike Championship, which I hope gets back off the ground for the rest of this season. We're not sure quite yet what's happening there. but um, And also we're uh, personally in partnership with, uh, with the one and only Will Davison as we hit year 11 with our partnership with him. And yeah, it's a it's been a crazy year. Um, last year I thought was you couldn't top last year, but this year we're back topping it again, and really excited for the five races in six weeks. And you know we got to launch our online store, which is a bit more consumer stuff because a lot of Doric is in everybody's house, but you might not know it because you know we don't really advertise to the end user. We have started to do that right now, and part of that is the race talk, crazy. And we're thrilled to have it. And I've got to tell you, my people you talk about Doric products being in people's houses my sliding door in the back of my living room two of the rollers have broken worn away after many years of hard opening and shutting during uh, beer season when you go outside and have a drink uh so i'm going to go to the Doric shop and buy some new ones because you've got those kind of things yeah exactly so we've got you know it's now in your house so you, anyone who lives in a house i'm pretty sure everybody who's listening to this lives in a house or an apartment You'd like to hope so anyway. But um, yeah, so you can replace any of your parts in your house through the Doric website. If it's rollers, if it's a, a new chain winder or a sliding door lock, or if it's a electronic cylinder to upgrade your front door to make it, you know, throw your keys away. We've got all of that type of stuff and you can buy that online. And even if you enter the promo code TRT, you get a 20, 25% discount. Very special offer for TRT and on the grid listeners. And we thank you for that. Uh, you're a motor racing fan, first and foremost. We know that. What are you looking forward to most about this weekend, aside from being back at a racetrack, which is just going to be amazing, full stop? Yeah, I think just what how we're going to pick up this, the racing again. I think, you know, are the boys going to be rusty? I don't think so because they're race drivers, right? Because we've all been keeping their skills sharp. But is the pecking order going to change? You know, uh, this uh, Eastern Creek's really been a, a Mustang track over the past you know, mm. couple of years. And obviously the flowing quarters suit the Mustang more than the Commodore potentially. But that was last year has some of the the, ch- the changes from the track from last year meant that the pecking order may change. Will, uh, will Tickford and DJR take the battle to AAA and, and Shane this weekend? So I'm really excited to see what the racing is going to be like. And obviously it feels like a bit like F1 last year since we last raced, all the driver changes for next year have happened. Yes, I know. And, you know, we've all the great news about you know, Percat and, and Courtney and, and Waters, all these guys that, you know, were up in the air in terms of their, their drop off for next year. We're all sorted now. So what's that going to mean for their current teams and how that's going to play out for the rest of the season? So really excited to see what the pecking order is going to be like uh, on the grid this weekend. And Nick will join us on the show directly after you. So we're looking forward to hearing from him about his move from Brad Jones Racing to Walkinshaw and Ready United, which is one of the big silly season moves of uh, this current very, very silly season that it's been. Uh, finally, Tom Bathurst, it's only five weeks away as we talk. It's not that far. There's so much racing to go before then, but you've got to be looking forward to getting back up to the big hill. Who cannot wait to get to Bathurst? Like the you know New South Wales 
living in Sydney, the restrictions will be gone from the 1st of December. So Bathurst will be like the Circuit of Americas on the weekend where it was uh, open slather and people everywhere. So I can't wait to be at an event again where it was free. I think, Crowsey, the last time we had that was 2020 at Adelaide 500, yeah. which is a bit, a bit of a sour point, I think, for all of us, I think, not going to have that race uh, in the foreseeable future anyway. But, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to get to Bathurst and I think, with the six days of racing, just the calendar, the schedule on the on the website, just seeing what's available. Like usually Saturday at Bathurst is pretty quiet, but this year it's packed with races and action from Tuesday to Sunday. I really can't wait to get up there and just it's going to be the, the ultimate motorsport weekend. It could be maybe the best motorsport schedule or calendar and event we have in this country ever potentially. Lots of firsts. I've never worked on a Tuesday at a racetrack before, so that's a new thing for me. It's it's gonna it's like when you switch to daylight savings, it just puts you out of sync. Really looking forward to it, um, Tom. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. We're going to use that to elevate the power rankings above and beyond what we've done before for these final five supercars rounds and beyond that when we do our fifty most influential people in Australian motor racing feature, which will be in December. Uh, and we're going to have ways where TRT and on the grid listeners can get involved in that and perhaps nominate who they think should be higher up the rankings. Um, looking forward to catching up with you at a racetrack, mate. And um, don't forget, 25% off at the Doric shop with the promo code TRT. Thank you, Crowley. Thank you for your support as always. And can't wait to get there back to track on this weekend. All right, Crowley. Great interview there with Tunners and talking about uh, what the weekend holds in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Nice to have racing back and good to have the full TV team back on deck as well. And the voice of supercars, Neil Crompton, will be back behind the mic, which is what everyone's been looking forward to. And as we heard from Tunners, four massive weeks of supercars as well, leading up to the great race in December. So huge opportunity for our sport to do great things and get big eyeballs building up to the biggest race of the year. Speaking of big, Shebeki, how about our next guest? How's the big news here? Great to catch up with this man. He uh, sort of started his supercars career, I suppose, with the former carnation of this team. Is carnation a word? Incarnation. Of incarnation, that's it, instead of reincarnation. Uh, and now it's back to the future for Nick Perkat, who leaves Brad Jones Racing at the end of 2021 and heads off to WAU to partner Chaz Mostert in 2022. Nick Perkat, congratulations. Ah, thank you, and thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's nice to actually talk to everyone again after this big break. It has been a massive break, and uh, great to get you on, mate. Fantastic news for you. Uh, it really gives you the opportunity now to put everything that you've learnt and put into practice over the last few years and really give it a red-hot go with a, a team that is a, a red-hot team. Yeah, exactly. Um, just felt like the time had come to, you know, put myself in a position where, you know, to try and win races and eventually try and fight for championships. And, um, you know, when Chaz went to the team at WAU, I kind of took a little bit more notice of what they're up to. And I've just watched them the last 18 months or so and thought, you know what, these guys are they're serious about what they're doing. And, um, you know, they're a little bit up and down, but it's... Uh, trending in the right direction. So, yeah, I wanted to get involved in that. And, um, you know, bring my old mates, uh, Bruce and Ryan, to see if there's any opportunity. And, um, and here we are. So it's, it is pretty exciting, especially to be alongside Chaz, because we've had some you know, big history through Formula Ford and Super 2 and, and obviously mm. some pretty cool battles in the main game. But, uh, 
yeah, I think it's good to get get us both pushing the same direction. With the fullest of respect to the teammates you've had at BJR for the last couple of years, are you relishing that opportunity to go up head to head against Chaz, who is in sensational form and and right at the peak of his very considerable powers? Yeah, that was honestly besides the there were many factors, um, but that was one of them. It was actually like you know what, go up against Chaz, um, and then you know whenever the time comes that my full time career is complete, it's you know you can sit back and say you know what I was good enough to be to be there um, and pushing those you know top three or four guys or you know I was good for that seventh. So um, that's the bit I'm excited about is actually going up against him and. Um, yeah, it's, it could have been, it would have been easy to stay with Brad and and keep doing what I'm doing and you know we got, had good results but it's for me you know since I've you know, since you've known me Krause, it's like Sonic Formula Ford dominate Porsche Cup car don't do it half hearted you do it to dominate mm. Super Two you know didn't win a championship but won the most races in those years with Chaz and Scotty and stuff so it's you know it's just the way I'm bred and it was there was something in me that was like you know what it's time you need to be back doing that kind of stuff so. I'm pumped. And so you should be too, mate. It's a, a fantastic opportunity that you get. Uh, it'll be effectively a one-year opportunity in the old car before you head into the new car of 2023, the, the Gen 3. What what do you expect out of next year? Do you expect to come out of the box running hard straight from the start? I, I'd hope so, but, you know, everyone takes a different amount of time to adjust to a new car. Um even when Scotty first went to Penske, all those laps in qualifying, you're like, he's going to pile it by half a second and, you know, <laughs> lock the rears out later, miss the hairpin and stuff like that. So yeah. there's going to be a bit of a bit of time to get the most out of what I'm doing. You know, obviously with the BJR car, I know exactly how to get the most out of it. So there'll be a little bit of time there, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've always thought they've had very strong engine package and, and that side of things is, a real strength for the team, I think, um, with their fuel economies and stuff like that. It'd be good to, you know, get a full season with that kind of package and, and go to Bathurst and, and do those long events with that. And, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the car's like, to be honest. Um, I think it's changed a lot since, obviously, I was last there in 2014. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping to see that, you know, the things that Chaz and Adam DeBore have done and, and Shippy and all those guys have, it is different and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how someone else cuts it up. And I think one of the things, and again, with the fullest of respect to Bryce, but he came in as a rookie, tough yep. situation, um, got some great results and certainly showed that he belongs in the category. But perhaps the one thing that team has needed in this current incantation of building and building and building to be the powerhouse they want to be is two really strong cars, which we've seen all the great teams have had. So do you feel like you bring that to WAU that you can help them find that final piece of the puzzle where they can be week in week out contenders with a T8 or a DJR rather than that one weekend, they're really hot and the next weekend they're third and fourth and can't quite crack that top half a percent. Yeah. That's exactly what the whole, the story is the whole plan is with myself, Ryan, Bruce, you know, Michael, the whole thing was, you know, I sat down with them and said, I think you guys are doing a mega job, um, but you need to fill that last piece of the puzzle. It was literally the terminology we used. And I said, be it me or someone else, that's what I think is needed there. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping I'm the right piece of the puzzle. Um, I told him I was, so, uh, yeah, we'll see. But I think, you know, that's what you need, you know. You need 
you know, Shane and Jamie's of, mm. of the world. They're always in there. Um, I think, you know, even for Tickford, it's something that Cam Waters has probably lacked a little bit in our JCs, pushing him along a bit more and helping him a bit more. And everyone needs a really solid teammate to, to take it to, <laughs> to what Triple Eight do and, and DJR. So, yeah, that's what we're looking forward to is hopefully, you know, having two guys there. And, you know, if one weekend it's myself getting good results, the, you know, Chaz is hot on my heels and he's either on the podium too or, you know, in that top five. And that's what gets you a good championship position as a team. Um, and then obviously pushes the team forward too. You've built some amazing memories with this team in the past uh, as Holden Racing Team and Wilkinshaw. Uh, 2011, of course, the Bathurst win with Garth Tander at such a young age. And then in <laughs> 2014, the opportunity to get your full-time drive with the team until you were left without a seat early 2015. Did you ever think at that point in time that you would go back to the team or was it for you always going to be a moving forward process? Um. Yeah, that period during 2015, I was pretty bitter with the whole situation, obviously. At that point, you know, I was, I was a lot younger and, you know, it was just like, what do you want from me? I've got the results. We've been on the podium a few times this year. We've 12th mm. in the championship. How do you lose your drive the following year? But, you know, the older you get and the smarter or wiser you get, I, you know, I look back and it was just, the sponsorship money back then was just as hard as it is now. And they're running four cars and, it was a difficult thing. And, you know, I never, if I closed that book completely, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Um, but, you know, we, myself and Ryan and, and Bruce, we, you know, we sat down and not, you know, we kind of went through that period with me of, you know, I felt a little bit betrayed and, and they gave me explanation and I, you know, we all kind of set our piece just to put it to bed because you know, we don't want any um, kind of, of that, that old memory going you know, kind of causing any issue because it was yeah. such a small part of my time at the Walkinshaw group and the family. So, yeah, I never closed the, the, the book on that. And my dream growing up was to be in a HRT car. Look, it might not be HRT now, but it still has number two on the door, um, mm. the, on the window. So um, I'm pumped to be back there. And, you know, it's the stepping stone through BJR, I think it was um, massively important for me to personally for what I do off track and the way I go about it. And, um, the way I extract the most out of the car and now I can come back and be more complete and probably not such a little shit to be honest <laughs> or it's all wanky shit we, we, all, we all grow up mate. we all grow up you've mentioned having a chat with Ryan and Bruce about the entire move and all that sort of stuff have you had a chat to Chaz and spoke to yep. him about what the team yep. looked like and uh, did that weigh on your thoughts to make the move um, I didn't want to hear what they were doing, good or bad, from anyone else. I wanted to, I want to find out for myself. So I didn't yeah. say, "Hey, what's shit about the place? What's good about the place?" Um, but to you know, his credit, we we before I even got into any negotiation, anything, it was like, "Hey, we need to make sure Chaz is okay with it," because you know, from the outside looking in, people think myself and Chaz don't get on and all that sort sort of thing. But that's probably the complete opposite. You know, I've Anytime he's been on the podium, our garages are next to each other. I you know, walk around, congratulate him and the team, and he does the same back, you know, for myself and Todd. So there's um, a lot of respect there. So, yeah, it was actually more just saying, make sure he has no issue with me, I have no issue with him, and then we'll even start talking about if it's a, a chance for me to come join the team. So, 
you know, to his credit, he picked up the phone um, not too long ago um, and he's pumped to have me on board, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been waiting to be able to announce it to probably freely talk to him a bit more and, and you know, kind of pick his brain a little bit more about how it works there. But, you know, we had Decent Creek now, SMP, and it's four weekends straight and we'll all be, uh, you know, head down, bum up to try and make sure we extract the most out of the cars again for the, the last few rounds. Nick, this seems like it's been quite a process for you in sort of sitting down and working out what you wanted from this next phase in your career and actively chasing this ride and making that phone call to see if there was something available. Is that an accurate assessment? Yep. That's uh, pretty much bang on. You know, it's, I tried the hardest person to explain it to was Brad, Yeah, <laughs> you know, because um, there's no, there's nothing bad going on at the team. Um, and, you know, I just agreed. Um, we'd agreed to, you know, extending my contract and we literally joked at Darwin. No, I'm like, you're never getting rid of me. I'm going to be around like bloody annoying old man come the end of it. And it'll be Macaulay. who will have to sack me kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like it's a pretty big decision to make that my, my future was secure laughing. Um, mm. And, you know, if I said, Oh, I want to drive to 40, I was just driven towards 40. Um, as long as, yeah, I'm still getting good results. Um, but then to turn around and say, hey, I'm going to take a big risk and go somewhere else. And yeah, it was not an easy process. There was a lot of things that went into it. And yeah, a lot of conversations with you know, Ryan and, and Bruce to you know, make sure that I was comfortable with what they were doing and, and the culture of the team, which has been quite big. You know, the way they were as the Holden Racing team was savage. I know they'll be pretty, they'll admit that too. And um, I've really enjoyed watching the way Bruce has turned around the culture side of things and um, you know, Chaz is a big part of that. And you know, even what Bryce has done there, it's been a big part of that. So yeah, you know, I'm keen to go back and, and see what it's like because it looks like a lot more of a, a family feel and they're um, they're just trying to do the best they can. A lot less politics, which is um, probably what needed to happen there, to be honest. The Andretti and the United sides of Walkinshaw Andretti United are significant, but they're sort of more behind the scenes. Like you said, it, yep. it's Ryan and especially Bruce that are the, the front men for the team and, and Bruce, especially who's the one that's here, but does it excite you to work with people like Michael Andretti and Zach Brown, who everything Zach touches at the moment <laughs> is winning races. McLaren's winning the IndyCar team yep. winning. It must be cool to link up with those people as well and build that network. And who knows where that could lead to stuff overseas with them in the future. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, um, you know, I've, not, I've had zero to do with Michael to this point, but he still had to had to have a tick of approval to even give me the nod to drive the car. So mm. obviously um, that's good. <laughs> but, you know, Zach's, um, everything you see of him is, is always up to something fun. And it yeah. looks um, like he's um, just loving, loving what he's doing and brings that really positive energy to the team at obviously McLaren directly. Um, mm. So to say that, you know, that involvement, is also in, involved with the Australian arm is um it is very cool so we'll see maybe I have to make up some pretty crazy bet that he well thoughts with me like he did with Dan but I don't know if it's um, you know, winning an F1 and race at Monza is the same as maybe winning at Winton you know, it might not be the same caliber I don't, I don't know if you deliver a Bathurst win for them but so he bribed Padua Ward if you want an IndyCar race you get a I McLaren thought. young driver test and Danny Rick obviously on the weekend yeah. with the NASCAR drive so the world's your oyster my friend chase chase them hard. I think it's to go um, 
Yeah, and yeah, you know, he's he's on the on the text. I woke up one morning and he's talking to WhatsApp. I'm like, what number is this? Thinking it's like a there's that many scam things going on at the moment because we're yeah. doing all these COVID <laughs> check-ins. It's um, I was like, oh, what number is this? I'm like, oh, it's it's Zach. He's he's actually at an F1 race right now, and he's he's reached out to say, great to have you on board. And then we had chat about all these cars that he's got um, not even tucked away, just open for everyone to see, and mm-hmm. and um, you know the Bathurst winner and stuff like that. So. It is very cool to have, you know, guys like himself and, and Michael and, and obviously even, you know, Ryan and, and Martin still heavily yeah. involved. It's very cool. Did I not read on the weekend that Michael has purchased a Sauber license as well? Or is it trying? Yeah, yeah, saw that too. Does that mean I'm like basically two F1 teams? <laughs> it's six, six degrees of Formula One. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, we should talk about what's coming up, mate, because as we touched on earlier, it's a massive six weeks for everybody. And while you've got this new deal in your pocket, finishing strongly i would imagine is a, a critical thing with you and and brad to end this year and this great relationship you've had really really strong with some great results at smp and then the big one on the big hill yeah it's um so i leave um thursday morning myself bailey and nelson hit the road um so the big thing for me was same as i did last year when all this kind of went down i you know i took nelson on the road with me and stayed in airbnbs and stuff like that to keep it normal um mm. So for this, you know, for the Sydney part, you know, it's four and a half weeks at a Airbnb, not close to the track. So, you know, um, it put myself somewhere nice. Um, got Bailey there, got Nelson and keep it as normal as possible. Um, and then obviously, hopefully, I think for me, that helps deliver good results. So, yeah, I'll, I just want to end on a, on a really good positive note for the team and yeah, leave them in a position that when Andre and Bryce come in, it's... Um, yeah, there's a good foundation there for them to get good results. And I think Sydney Mosul Park is strong for us. Obviously, two wins there last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be good to be in the top five all week, each weekend there. And then Bathurst is the one that's haunting us at the moment as a, as a team. You know, I still kick myself what happened in 2017, the first year there, when myself and Maka came so close to being on the podium. And that's the last opportunity we really had there to be on the podium because we've had niggling issues each year so this year as long as i can drive the car to the grid and not sit in a deck chair for the driver photo <laughs> like i did with tom randall mm. where we're going better um but yeah i'm not saying we have to go there and win it but i'd love just to deliver inside the top five coming into sunday at bathurst and be in the race not just driving it around to survive you know be in it and and have a crack and that would be the you know as much as brad and myself want to win it i think you know you can't be too greedy. So to be somewhere there in the top five would be pretty epic. Do you think you're going to get to week four of this Sydney Motorsport Park marathon and sort of think, oh, here we go again? Is it is it pretty much the same sort of stuff week in, week out for the four weeks? Or do you think that there's enough variation to keep you interested? Um, to be honest, because of the way that COVID happens, I don't believe anything until I'm doing it or seeing it. So... <laughs> I haven't actually looked a massive amount into the formats, but I know we're using all the tyres. Um, there's different race lengths for racing at night, obviously. I know that. <laughs> Packed my clear visor. Um, but yeah, I think the good thing with SMP last year, obviously we went there twice, but the racing was the best we had, I feel like, for the year. Yeah. So I don't think it matters what track you're on, as long as we're lunging each other, we're door-to-door, and it's fun. Because that's what it was last year. Even... Yeah, I think we raced the first one there under lights. Yep. You could pick your hards or your softs, and 
we ran on hards and I finished sixth still and ran hard the whole race or seventh. And it was like, it was actually fun. I was out there racing against dudes on the softs and trying to hold position and, and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, once we got for the fully mixed up tires, it was um, the opening laps were like absolutely like being back in a go-kart. It was yeah. like on because you're like, hold on, hold on. You look up the road and you'd see, I think it was Shane, one of the racers, having a big wobble back in the train up because his tyres were cooked from the race before and there's just shit going everywhere, basically. So <laughs> um, it is actually a good track to race. A shame we don't get the crowds there. I think that's the disappointing thing with SMP. You know, probably for the last 10 years, I haven't, since Ambrose was winning his championship there, we haven't bloody had a big crowd, which is yeah. disappointing. A final one for you, mate. Uh, it's been 10 years since your first win in supercars mm. at Bathurst. Would, have, would you have changed anything in the last 10 years or have you been really happy with the way things have just rocked on? It's uh, <laughs> a big question, Shebex. <laughs> no, it is. It's a nice well, look, a reflective one. I, there's definitely things I could have done better. <laughs> Lighting up Wing Cup at Darwin, not a highlight. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably, like just a few bits and pieces like that one's bad. Um, but I guess, yeah probably being a little bit of a spoiled brat a few times when after the walking chore stuff happened was not ideal, but um, live and learn. You know, I had literally come out of Aussie racing cars and been at a factory team mm. um, where everything was at your doorstep or at your feet to yeah. then um, obviously go to LDM where it was like a polar opposite. Um, yeah, anyone would get a bit frustrated. So I think, you know, through that time, I wish I'd kept my mouth shut a few times, but I um, generally wear it on my sleeve and just tell the truth or what I think is the truth of what's going on and um, it is how I am. But uh, yeah, I think couldn't have really changed a whole lot. <laughs> no regrets. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I'm happy with the time I put in at BJR. I know I could, probably could have yeah. bailed, not bailed. I could have left or gone to another team for the last two seasons, but I've been really happy with how that's tracking. So I think, I ran that out to the point where I woke up one morning and on my terms said, no, nah, that's, that's enough. Um, I want to try this now. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how it's gone. And I think just my personal growth has been the, the cool bit. I think, I don't know, don't want to blow smoke up my own ass, but I feel like in the car, I do do some good things. It's just um, polishing up the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Mate, well thank said, you so mate. much for giving us the opportunity to chat to you first after this fantastic new signing for you for 2022. Look forward to watching your uh, season end in 2021 yep. with some big results and uh, then a, a massive start for next year. Exactly. No worries. Thank you. Nick Perkat joining us here on The Grid. All right, so let's wrap up the program as we always do with a three-way chat. And Mark Walker joins us, Richard, for that chat. Hello, Mark. Tony Shebecki, Richard Crail. Oh, nature's healing. We're going back racing. We're queuing up at the gate at Sydney Motorsport Park once again. Everything's coming back to normal, isn't it? And we've had a week where we haven't been completely and utterly screwed by announcements. That you, you wait, you wait. <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> They'll confirm the details of the sale on Wednesday yeah. morning. For if, if for those that um haven't listened to the most recent shows, it's now what three weeks in a row where we record on a Tuesday evening, and on yeah. the Wednesday morning, first thing, there's been some form of earth 
shattering announcement. But <laughs> we've we've done all right this week. We've no, got we've, a, we've got a for the moment. driver announcements. Yeah, it's good. For the moment. We also got our own exclusive to an extent, didn't we, with uh, Nick Perkett. Interesting uh, to hear what he had to say about the future. Seems to be perfectly logical, doesn't it? Yeah. Good move. Good for the team. Good for the team. They've been talking the talk for a long time about stepping things up and improving, and certainly they've shown that with what they've done with the 25 car, but boy, that's that's backing it up with two gun cars going into next season. So massive. Feel a little bit for Bryce, but he's clearly landed with the drive anyway. So I think he showed enough in the first two years of what he's capable of as a full-time supercar pilot, but Good for Walkinshaw and Andretti United. What a what a powerhouse combo that is going into season 2022 when you've got a, a Red Bull Racing that's going to be on the, not the back foot because they never are, but with comprehensive change behind the scenes and in one of their two cars. Um, it, it looks really great for WAU. It's another big step forward to that team becoming the powerhouse that they desperately want to be. Um. I'm glad that some of these younger guys have fallen on their feet with drives. I'm glad that Bryce is at Brad Jones. Uh, I'm glad that uh, Jack LeBrock's going to wind up at Matt Stone and Todd Hazelwood's there. Mm. You know, it's a long-term project. There's very seldom few overnight success stories. It takes years of graft to get to the top. You know, you look at Cameron Waters. He's been around since, what, 2011, 2012 something, you know, driving these cars. And now he's all of a sudden, oh, Cameron Waters, he's the, he's the man. Yeah. It's taken a decade to get there. It's good that these guys who've excelled in the Super 2 Series, they're not just being shown the door after two years of main game where they haven't gone out there and absolutely smoked everyone on a regular occasion. So I'm glad that these guys are still keeping a, a seat in the game. Well, Jamie Winkup was binned by Gary Rogers, the doyen of junior driver development. And mm. <laughs> now he's retiring as the GOAT. So... Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think, tell you, when you say it out loud, LeBrock Hazelwood MSR in a couple Not of bad. Triple Eight Commodores, that sounds like a pretty good little race team, doesn't it? Not bad. It seems to me that someone has seriously just jotted down every name of every driver in the supercar series, put them in a plane, filled out a field with all the teams and just dropped the paper and see where they landed. And some have fallen in their current teams and others have just moved. It's been probably one of the more biggest move around of seats in supercars or in any category that we've seen for a long time, if not ever. But the thing is, these last couple of years, we haven't had all the journos in the paddock bashing out these stories and and knowing all the inside goss, which has made it a bit funny with the silly season because normally everyone knows exactly what's going on, people fishing around for drives and whatnot. This year, a lot of them are just coming out of the woodworks, aren't they? So, uh, which is interesting. It's good for clicks on websites, which is uh, what we love to see. It's been reasonably civil, though, hasn't it? Oh, for sure, yes. Like, there's been no massive, massive tear-ups. So the biggest shock of it all was Nick announcing that he was leaving Brad's after having earlier this year confirmed a new multi-year deal. But there's been no massive spite. There's been no knives in backs. There's no massive animosity. Everyone's just sort of moving on with it. A lot of the announcements have been nicely structured. So 6 a.m. one morning, Bryce Fullwood departs, and 6 p.m. that night, Rolls Nick Perkett rolls in. Some of them haven't been quite so good, but no, normally Wednesdays, yeah. yeah normally yeah. Wednesday mornings, exactly right. Right in time for us to completely ignore it for a week. I'll but- tell you what, though, if any team ever had aspirations of winning a team's championship, this mm. coming season 2022 would be a good year to do it. Triple Eight obviously aren't going to be as uh, 
points hungry as they have been in the past with a new young driver there. So there's some big opportunities for teams such as WAU, such as Matt Stone Racing, with some really competitive combinations to get a good, good handful of points every race meeting. Don't disagree with that. Don't disagree with it at all. And you know what? I'd apply that to these next five weekends. Yes. Yes. I think there's there's a heck of an opportunity there for people to step up. As we saw it at Sydney Motorsport Park last year, I'm sort of, sort of dovetailing into the preview there, but there was a lot of inconsistency. You know, SVG was he had a good first weekend, second, seventh, sixth, then he was fourth, eighth, twelfth. You know, Jamie had a good first weekend, was absolutely nowhere P17 the second. Cameron Waters had a best finish of sixth in any of the six races. Mm. You know, it was it was hard going. It's a sort of track that's going to mix things up. There'll be some different tyres in there and some different uh, formats, which are going to really make it interesting. So, but saying that, you can get on a run if a team figures out Sydney Motorsport Park, they could just go out there and smoke everyone for four weeks. But last year, it wasn't a Triple Eight circuit. You know, so often you look at Simmons Plains or a Sandown, where you go, "Oh, Triple Eight are probably going to win, aren't they?" Yeah. But you don't have that at Sydney Motorsport Park. Clearly. Triple Eight have been out there doing a lot of testing. Every second week, they're out there testing the wild card or they're testing this or shaking down that. So it looks like they've had plenty of miles. Miles at Queensland Raceway, are they transferable to Sydney Motorsport Park? Probably not. Mm. So it, it leaves the door wide open for anyone who goes out there and is smart with what they're doing. You know, Nick Perkett, two wins last year, but you know, he's in a bit of a lame duck situation at the moment where, you know, are they going to be pouring all the... King's horses and King's Ben behind him. You don't know how that's going to shape up. So um, mm. I, I think that's interesting, at least for this first weekend. We'll see what the lie of the land is. And I must, I'll be the first to put my hand up as well and apologise to supercars for saying that I don't believe that they are inventive enough in regards to what they could have done over these four weekends in Sydney. The fact that they've upped the tyre temperature from uh, the tyre pressure from 17 psi to 19 psi for the final race, for the final <laughs> two races. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're, you're a cynical best, Shebex. Uh, look, I think we all agree they probably could have gone harder, but look, it is what it is. It's going to be a, uh, it's still going to be a good show. Uh, I don't It'd think it's good to see the mix of soft tire and hard tire for that final round. That'll be good. Well, but you'll get that for all of them, really, because yeah. it's such a high deg track one way or another. So even at the rounds where there isn't the mix, you'll get new tire versus old tire and some overlapping of strategies, we hope unless everyone becomes the sheep and pits on lap three and everyone does the same thing. Hopefully there's not, I, I think the motivation to roll the dice and do different things will be a bit higher though as well, because there's opportunity to innovate here. I, I don't think we'll see one team smoke everyone for the four events because the field's too good for that. So that's one thing, but I, I reckon there's an opportunity if, if you're a WAU or you're a team 18, you're a Brad Jones an Erebus would be an, a perfect mm. example of this, then they'd, they'd be a team that would do it is if you're on the cusp, throw the dice at it. It doesn't matter if you lose the race because of it, but you might win. So yes. throw soft tires on late or start on softs and get track position, whatever's working on the day. These are the rounds where you're going to get that kind of inventiveness because there's lots to play for. And when you look at the team's championship as well, so behind WAU in fourth, they're, about 370 odd points ahead of team 18, but Charlie Erebus, BJR, Kelly Grove, there's nothing between them. And the difference between halfway up 
pit lane and right at the back end of pit lane is pretty significant when it comes to your stop. So there's a, still a fair bit to play for in that team's championship outside the top half a dozen cars. And then even uh, Tickford Racing VWAU will be a good battle in the team's points to see who gets third place behind T8, who are unquestionably going to win that, and DJR. To, to be honest, one of the best pit boxes is the last one. So if you're an absolute donkey the year before, you get a really nice clean entry in on your last pit stall there. But it's about pride, isn't it? You sit there and you look down the pit order mm. all year long. You know that those Red Bull guys and the DJR guys down the other end are, are the smart operators from the previous years. That's the biggest uh, you know, factor about it all is that you, you get to show off how good you were for the next year. It's actually something F1 do well is they the top team from last year get the first the, same, the same with us. We do that. We do that too. We we do that too. It's, yeah, we it's do. Exact, yeah. It's yeah. exactly the same. But because everyone's such a sheep in qualifying, and everyone goes out at exactly the same time, you, you want to be that first box out so you can lead the train mm. when you're on a 68 second lap like a Darwin or something like that, and you want to be first on the road. So that's and, where, and you get a you get a second shot at it too. Yeah, correct. Exactly right. Correct. That that's where it plays such a a massive role for sure. This weekend, guys, Sydney Motorsport Park, we are back. What do we expect? Is there going to be a lot of cobwebs to uh, to wipe off for the first practice session or two? Mm, no. No, they'll figure it's it out. Just don't yeah. want to go that? To an extent. I mean, Sydney Motorsport Park's not that hard a track, you know. You always see guys pushing the limits in practice, and that's what practice is about. There's no point going out there and holding anything back in practice because you're not going to learn from it. So they'll go out there and have a big go. Oh, I'm still disappointed that they're having – an hour of practice at each round. That seems a bit wasteful. Too much. Too much. Wasteful. And, and I don't understand too why we need to have a th- three-day meeting first up. Doesn't that just mean an extra night of accommodation oh, for everyone? No, well, they're all staying there for a month anyway. So I yeah, don't but think if you could, you could have started on Saturday. No, then you... but they, they'd all be there. And first event, they'll all bump in. It'll take them time to park everything up. They've got to set up for a month. No, I, I don't disagree with that. And you want to start with a strong TV product in your first first round back as well and they've got a practice session at seven o'clock on friday night so it might only be practice but it's still prime time supercars tv viewing for fox anyway so it's still going to rate pretty well given there's bugger all else on against it so no i I think the three day start with a proper race meeting do your two day stuff in the middle like they've done I, i don't disagree with that part of the format at all i think it's it's smart what they're doing with that now, this weekend's on Big Boy 7 and Big Boy 7 all through Saturday evening, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a big thing. Yep. Huge. Primetime a... supercars. It will yeah. rate its backside off. Big day um, for Big Boy 7. They've got Derby Day from Flemington all the way through the afternoon and then supercars through the evening. Massive day for them. Yeah. And a good lead in. Derby Day is traditionally reasonably well rated as well for free-to-air TV. So, no, look, it's massive. And they have to... They needed this. They have to start with the biggest bang they can because this isn't just about this round. It's not just about next week or the week after. This is about four events in a row building up to the 1,000. So this is an enormous opportunity for supercars in in a circumstance they've never had. What's Mm. been the shortest gap between the 500, whatever it is, and the 1,000 in the past? It's always three weeks. At least, yeah. Yeah, so... All of a sudden, they've got four race meetings in a row. So two, four, six, eight, nine, ten days of television in a 30-day period where supercars will be on the box leading up to the biggest 
event of the year and what will be the highest rated motor race of the season in this country. And it's so important for them to nail it. And all the socials, all the run-up that they get, yeah, it's just correct. perfect. There's, there's no footy on. There's not really much proper mm. cricket on. So uh, sensational. And, you know, you talk about TV, the, the run-up with um, the Big Bash and Bathurst, yeah. with all the timing of that coming out this week. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I read that story about four or five months ago where John Tetley said he wasn't going to sell Queensland Raceway, <laughs> Tony Quinn. Well, I'm glad I wasted seven minutes of my life on that six months ago. <laughs> I skimmed through it in about two, Shebex. Yeah, oh, look, I think it's just a case of um, two businessmen that are very, I'm trying to put this delicately, driven driven to look after their own interests, I suppose, and not do a bad deal. But clearly they've they've sorted things out and Tony Quinn will take over Queensland Raceway, which is huge. It's massive. And it puts Quinny in a really significant position in our sport because not only now does he own a racetrack, but he co-owns one of the biggest teams in the sport as well. So he's just etching out his power base. And then you've got the New Zealand market as well, which is very, very big, and there keeps continues to be chatter of two supercar rounds there in the future as well. So, massive, huge news. Oh, it's great for Southeast Queensland that that, that track will get some serious cash thrown at it and uh, give what is a population base of what three and a half million people plus a, a, what should be a really good racetrack within 45 minutes drive of the center of Brisbane and the Goldie. Mark, you have a great understanding of QR and you've uh, delved into the history of it. In the past, how much do you expect this deal will change QR in the next two to three years? Hard to say, isn't it? I mean, Tony Quinn's a very good businessman and and like we said in the private chat there, he's not going to waste his money. He's going to spend money where it's going to make a return for him, isn't it? The thing with Queensland Raceway, and we've got a, it's been a long-term project of mine, delving back into the origins of it and why and how and and what it's doing there and, you know, the block, the circuit design, all these sort of factors, there's not much you can really do with the circuit if you want to keep it a, a CAMS Motorsport Australia spec track. And listening to what he's been saying, he's been saying big events. So, you know, talking about bringing back supercars, bringing back the uh, Shannons or whatever he's going to do to innovate to have big events here, which is cool. That's something that's a bit different. The thing that John Tetley has done very well over the last 20 years is develop it as a business because when he rolled in there racetracks just did race meetings it was all the basis of the business was selling tickets through the gate what he did was start up his own sanctioning body and he's just opened up all these other revenue streams at the bottom end of the sport people doing happy laps people doing all these different activities with their cars they're drifting in the burnouts and all this sort of stuff that's not necessarily you know, they're not all spending big cash each individual person, but there's a lot of individual people going out there every weekend and tipping in cash. There's five different events there on any given weekend. So Quinny's buying a very busy racetrack. So it's going to be interesting to see where the money goes. Is it fixing up some of the spectator areas, putting some shade up or a grandstand or something like that? Will that sell more tickets to get people out there? Doing some nice landscaping, putting up a go-kart track, which is something that he's done at his tracks in the in New Zealand, what's the facilities going to be like? Um, because the, the customer base, the way that it's evolved at the moment, having big pit lanes, pit lane building like Bathurst or something, wouldn't make them any more money. But if there's a, a, a reason there to bring, to invest in that sort of stuff, to bring in more income, then he'll probably do it. See, I, I think what it needs is, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, but what it needs is 
decent corporate facilities for starters because you can make so much cream for those big events on having a decent corporate suite and the the top floor of the control tower is a good place to watch but it's not a standard of a corporate suite that you might find at a Mount Panorama or the Bend or even Sydney Motorsport Park. So I, I know that um, Tetley has actually started doing stuff there because I noticed that the commentary box got knocked down. Not really. The other day. So, mm. yeah, but but even then, work. even then, that's one or two rooms. Like yeah. Sydney Motorsport Park sold their corporate out for the next four rounds and yeah. there's 15 corporate suites. So that's where your cream on the top of your race meeting is. It's not so much about getting 15,000 people through the gate. If you can fill your corporate suites up, and th- this is why the Bathurst 12-hour works so well, is that Bathurst 12-hour may not draw a 1,000 crowd or even 20% of it, but it is absolutely enormous from a corporate standpoint. Yeah. And you've got Audi and Bentley and Porsche and all these major brands locking out the corporates. They build extra suites. That's where the value is. So, And that's what QR probably lacks. I, I don't care what he does. Just build some decent toilets in the paddock for crying out loud because that that place is the worst in the country when it comes to uh pit lane amenities but it's good the other problem just quickly seriously is that john tetley has had an ongoing barney with motorsport australia slash cams and the the biggest issue with qr has that they basically locked themselves out of any cams events for a long period of time and supercars it's been well documented we spend a bit of extra money up the safety MA would jump on the back of that with Shannon's run that the week after, and they'd be the two Motorsport Australia events for the entire year. The The problem with that has been that it's the one permanent racetrack within, you know, as I said earlier, 4 million people, that, and people had to drive to Warwick to go to MA events. Now, I don't care what your philosophy on sanctioning bodies is. You may not love MA. You might love them, but they're still the absolute number one preeminent motor racing sanctioning body in the country so to not have those facilities within um, that massive population base has been a huge blow i think for motorsport in seq so you would imagine that quinny will be fixing that up and ma events and i'm pretty certain they will uh will end up back there very very quickly yeah i mean i think the that all sort of dates back to when tetley was having to promote his own supercars meetings they wouldn't make money. It was, yeah. you'd spend a million dollars to make none. And so he said, no, he was one of the first tracks that ditched supercars. So supercars started to promote the events out there doing a dry hire of the facility, which made sense for Tetley as a businessman to do that. And subsequently from that, there's been no point him dolling up all his cash for a cams license every year when he's got no use for it for all the other racing events that happen out there. And, it, and the thing in the story that we posted on the race talk today or yesterday is that race events don't make much money for them it's all the non-competitive things that get a lot of the drift matsuri things they get hundreds of cars they get thousands of people through the gate it's not competitive it's just dudes out there chucking skids but what what it has done is stop the opportunity of events potentially happening though so if there was a need for a round shannon's couldn't just pick up the phone and go we're going to go to qr because there wasn't a track license to do it so that's, that's probably the difference. And the fact is that, and I agree, everything you're saying is 100% true, but 98% of every motor racing license holder in the country has got an MA license. So it's got to be MA, even 50, you know, Winton owns and runs the AASA, which is the arch rival of 
Motorsport Australia, but they still got the MA track license so yeah. that they can still run rounds of Vic State race championships, things like that. And that, the, that I think is important for the QR moving forward. And the, the bad thing is the plumbing will always be septic out there. <laughs> it's bloody yeah. terrible. Sorry, go, that sorry to go back to that. Just it's, awful. It's hey, before septic. we go, guys, too, uh, you mentioned rolling the dice before by teams, Richard. Well, that's exactly what uh, Red Bull did in F1s at the Circuit of America. They rolled it early with Max Verstappen. I believe he even thought that he wasn't going to win due to the fact that they might have gone early. But you put yourself out in front, the other boat's got to get past you. And Hamilton couldn't do it. Yeah, tense race. Not a thriller, but a tense race at the end and built to a really good finish as, as Lewis chased Max down. It's just great for the, the storyline, isn't it? That battle was amazing. What impressed me was 89,000 people on Fox watching at 6 a.m. in the morning. 400,000 people at the track for the... Yeah, that's... It's, it's, triggering that's, that number of people and that's the thing going through all the press in america at the moment all the nascar all the indycar people are blown away by how massive formula one has become and it's mm. all because of drive to survive and the schumacher yeah. documentary and all that sort of stuff because they're getting to the masses to new audiences through netflix yeah which is something that we've sort of missed the trick on here with the inside line documentary that's airing now on seven mate that that's going to the people who already are tuned into mm-hmm. supercars. It's not yeah. reaching a new audience. If only that was on Netflix, then that'll be reaching new people, which is a bit of a missed opportunity for what we've got going on over here because we've seen how well it worked in the States. No, that's a very good point. Max Verstappen wants to uh, boycott it next year because he reckons it's fake news. Anyway, boys, that's our show for the week. Thank you once again. Always great to work with you. Thanks, boys. Doric Power Rankings. Enormous. Get on board. Yep. Uh, at the race talk, jump on board, hot knot or what? They'll be out Monday night, so we're changing the time zone as well. What? Yep. Have you run that past me yet? Nope, not yet. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> All right, we'll leave you guys to argue about that, and we thank you for joining us right here on the grid. We'll catch you again next week as well.